0: Thanks, man, for leading us. Thank you for being here. This is a big Sunday in the life of our church, isn't it? It's one of those things that we've been in, eagerly anticipating for a while now. It's been something I've had circled on my calendar just the very second that we found out. and It's one of those things that, to me, reminds us that we're all in this together. We, as a people of, of First Baptist Church of Norman, we've been pointing in a direction of worshiping together for a while, haven't we? We've been pointing where where we have youth leading us. (laughs) Can I tell you, as a youth minister, one of my favorite things to do was to look up here and see like a third of the band being youth. (laughs) This is so cool. Thanks for giving our students an opportunity to lead us all in worship. It does far more for them than it probably does for you, but I hope that you're not having to be a martyr there and take one for the team. I hope that instead you recognize and appreciate the, 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 the legitimate skill that, that Shay Fredericks is sharing with us on the drum box. Thanks, Shay. Or, or, or that Krista is sharing her voice. We've had Trenton McMillan playing the, the bass. It's, it's been fantastic. Well, and then Robbie, man. I mean, you grew up here, right? This is your jam. This is, these are your people. This is so cool. Thank you for continuing to invest in a, in a guy like Robbie who, he's one of us, you know? Thanks, Robbie, for leading us. As we get started, I would encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It's an incredibly interesting passage of Scripture. It's one that I'll be reading out of the New International Version. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats... Left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, Simon's partners then Jesus said to Simon don't be afraid from now on you will fish for people so they pulled their boats up on the shore left everything and followed him let's pray Lord we as your people we have given ourselves to you now help us Lord to hear from you for it's in your name we pray All of God's people said, 10,000, 10,000, according to the 2008 book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, that's the number of hours that it takes to achieve mastery of a task, whether it's playing an instrument or playing a sport or learning how to perform some other kind of task, Uh, whether it's mastering whatever the iPhone game of the month is, does anybody still play Candy Crush? Yeah. Was, wow, wow. We have like two people who still play Candy Crush. Do you remember when, when all everybody's hands, do you anybody remember that day when all of our hands would have been up? Man, mean, I spent way more than 10,000 hours. Um, my brother-in-law, he's one of those people who's been tinkering, tinkering with electronics for forever. He, he, uh, he worked for a uh, Ford audio video for forever. And if you needed help with your lights or your sound, or, I mean, he was your guy. Okay. And then Stacy's dad, I mean, he's one of the most handy kind of people. He's been working on cars his entire life. Now, what he does whenever it's time to go and do some kind of work of some sort, he, uh, or maybe recertify for his master mechanic, you know, that ASE kind of thing. Anybody, any mechanics in here? No? Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, So what he does whenever he has to go and recertify for whatever it is that he has to recertify for, he, uh, you know, he he, kind of calmly, coolly walks in, aces the test, Goes and gets a cup of coffee. That's a very important step. Okay, don't forget that step. And then he goes back to work. He doesn't sweat it anymore. He's put in significantly more than 10,000 hours. Maybe you're thinking of someone right now who has significantly mastered a task. And I bet if we could trace back with them, they probably spent at least 10,000 hours doing it. So you're looking at me and you're saying, well, I want to master a task. I, I want to learn to play jacks. I want to be the, the world champion jacks player. Anybody ever played jacks? Good. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to be the world champion jacks player? Am I right? I mean, this is something that's exciting, right? So if you took 40 hours a week for the next five years, you too could be a, a master jacks player. You could put that on your business card, on your resumes. I mean, wouldn't that... Whew, Man, there's nothing you couldn't do if you were a world champion Jacks player, am I right? So I wonder what was going through the minds of the people in Luke chapter 5, these 11 verses, as they saw some guy who had only recently burst on the scene offering fishing advice to the experts coming up to the point, we've read of Jesus being baptized, of him being tempted, and of him announcing his call to ministry. We've, uh, that was last week. It, we've kind of hit fast forward just a little bit. And so we missed him, you know, casting out some demons and performing some miracles. But now in today's text, he goes in search of some friends. He knows that he needs some people to live the journey with. As an individual who's gotten some recent kind of fame or notoriety because of what he has done, he does what all of us would do, right? If we were Jesus, what we would do is we would go start recruiting people from the best and brightest. So he just strolls down a local synagogue and he says, hey, uh, rabbi, where is your smartest guy? Well, I want your, you know, your best of your best, your cream of the crop. I'm Jesus, so I'm not settling. You know what I mean? Uh, he says, I want the guy with the best ACT score. I want the guy who's been, been preparing for this in his entire life. I, I, I don't want some scrub fisherman. You know what I mean? What do they know about God, right? That's what he does, right? <laughs> nah. It's not that easy. Instead, what he does is he, he, he gets pressed in by a crowd and Jesus gets hung up. And as the crowd's pressing in on him, all my introvert friends are just squirming right now. Um, he, he, he's backing into the banks of the Sea of Galilee. And there's a point where he kind of starts looking around and going, uh, I, I can't take any further steps back. Uh, uh Simon, Simon, yeah, Simon I, I need a boat. Uh, we're just going to hop in a boat because, I mean, the crowd doesn't have a boat, so I have a boat, so they, you know, they, <laughs> there's no boat. You know what I mean? I have a boat. They don't have a boat. They can't press on any further, okay? So he sets out in, the, in a boat. For the record, dependent on the vote for the call to ministry at the end of our service today, I would like to call first dibs on going out in Chad's boat. Apparently, he's a lake rat. Uh I, I thoroughly stalked him on Facebook. I saw numerous pictures of him wakeboarding and uh, slalom uh, water skiing. And uh, I've, I've got first dibs. Okay. It's been recorded. So if you try to hone in on my dibs, then you know, I'm, I'm coming after you. Okay. Uh, Anybody want to go with me? I'm, I'm I'm feeling generous. Anybody want to go with me? All right, cool. Yeah. Chelsea and I, we're, 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 yeah, yeah. Well, sorry. (laughs) Um, So as the story continues, Jesus He sits down to teach the word, doesn't he? Anybody notice that he did the same thing last week? He goes in, last week he went in the temple and he sat down. He sat down. Apparently sitting is how you're supposed to do this. This is something that they did not teach us in seminary. But on a more existential level, did you happen to notice where he was? He's not in a boat. I mean, okay, he's in a boat. He's not on the Sea of Galley, Okay, fine, he's, he's on the Sea of Galley. But more existentially, he's living out what his birthright was, Emmanuel, God, with us. It's a quick reminder that we don't have to be the best and the brightest. We, we can just kind of sort of settle for being experts in whatever field it is that God has called us to and done so very legitimately. At this point in Peter's life, he, he, he might have been thinking, I, I missed the boat. I'm being called by another rabbi. And, and, and now I, I, I'm just an expert fisherman. I mean, maybe I've kind of topped out. And Jesus, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm going to come be with you. God with us while we're walking around. God with us while we're doing whatever it is that we've been called to do. God with us while we're loving God's people. God with us while we're looking for a quiet place to be alone, as we'll hear about next Sunday. God with us while we try to run away from the large group of people. Any introverts in the room? I would ask for an amen, but I know that you wouldn't give it to me. (laughs) Then Jesus does what Jesus does. He takes the impossible and he rubs his hands together and he says, folks, you're about to see something special today. You're about to see something special today. So turning to the expert fisherman, Jesus tells Simon, notice that he's not yet referred to as Peter, the the rock. He turns to him and he says, well, let's put out into some deeper waters we haven't quite accomplished everything that we're here to accomplish. And, and Peter, he, he responds in an understandable kind of way. He, he, says, he says, master, in verse 5, there's this weird thing that happens here in the Greek where uh, th- that word, it, we translate it as master, but it's kind of like a master teacher, master tutor, okay? He's reminding Jesus, look, teaching, tutoring, that's your thing. Fishing, that's my thing, okay? Um, okay, sure, I mean, we'll, we'll do it. But at the same time, at the same time, he obeys, I wonder how reluctantly he obeys i wonder how reluctantly we obey but because he's already obeyed once because he's always already been willing to take jesus into shallow water he's willing to obey just a little bit more just push out into a little bit deeper water isn't that the way that god works See, a lot of times God asks us to do uh, just what we can do initially. And sometimes we're uneasy, but that's okay. Sometimes we obey immediately, and that's, that's great. And then once we get comfortable there, we get pushed out into a little bit deeper water. Maybe it's water that looks familiar to us. Look at what Peter says. He says, well, I mean, you know, we worked hard all night, and we, haven't, we didn't catch anything. He wants to remind Jesus, hey, I've, I've gone that way before, and... <laughs> Jesus just laughs and reminds us and Peter. Okay, maybe you've gone that way before. Maybe you've walked that way before, but you've never quite done that God with us. I had uh, I'd never gone fishing before. So in the name of sermon prep, okay. Sermon prep. That's what sermon prep is. I asked Clint to take me this week. Uh, Clint's in in, in classic service, so I can't give him a hard time or thank him properly. Uh, Which, for the record, that's what Clint is really great for. Giving him a hard time and thanking him. Um, So, sermon prep, okay? Sermon prep. That's important. This is what we're looking at here. So, verse 5 describes me on Wednesday of this week. We went out for a few hours. I could feel things kind of interacting with my lure, but I could never quite hook anything. And so verse six describes my Saturday of fishing. You know what I mean? Yeah. See that bass right there? That sucker's tiny, but that's number one. All right. That's the first one ever. He was my very first fish that I've ever caught. And he completely destroyed my lure. It came out in 200, maybe two. I don't know, but it came out in, in a ton of pieces, you know? much like these nets that, that Peter and uh, uh, his, his companions are dropping, they start to get destroyed. And so the most literal translation of verse seven says that they're signaling them, they're, they're nodding their heads, they're saying, hey, come over here. And that's what happened on, uh, yesterday whenever I caught my fish. I was like, hey, over here, hey, over here, come on. I caught a fish and, and Clint's just looking at me like I've done this 10,000 hours worth of times. So I started dropping a line, and I caught fish after fish after fish. I'm fairly certain I'm an expert fisherman now. You know what I mean? 10,000 hours? <laughs> Try like one. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Robbie, Robbie was there yesterday. He, he saw it. Yeah, I caught like four fish. woo Yeah, it was great. Can you imagine being one of these expert fishermen? Having to put out into deeper water. I don't know about you, but I'm cranky after a long night. When I come home, I just want to go to sleep. I don't want to go back to work for what could be just another who knows how many hours. And especially not when some teacher or some tutor tries to tell me about fishing. But they go out in teams. They go out in teams of boats to catch the three kinds of fish that are in the Sea of Galilee. It's carp and catfish and panfish, kind of all of those families. And after having going home empty for an entire night, they come back with an exorbitant amount of fish in a split second. Have you ever been in their position? The moment where you feel most empty, you then feel your most full. And so here comes the turn of the story, verse 8. Now we have Simon Peter, the rock. He's not calling Jesus master. He's not calling him teacher. He's not calling him tutor anymore. Instead, he's calling him Lord. And so he recognizes that he's a sinful man and following in the footsteps of of Moses at the burning bush or, or Gideon whenever he asks to see God's presence or Isaiah in Isaiah 6, whenever he says, "'Woe is me for I'm a sinful man.'" There we have Peter saying, God, I'm, I'm broken. I'm sinful. Later on, we have, if you remember the story in Luke 18, we have a Pharisee and we have just a, a normal individual and the Pharisee says, says, man, I'm glad I wasn't born like this guy. <laughs> Woo, that guy, his life is terrible, and my life is great. I mean, I give everything I have to God, and I'm just such a great person, and this is fantastic. And then we have this other guy saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So we find where our proper place is. Hmm. See, sin for Luke, it's not a sword to chop your legs out from under you. Instead, it's a gentle prod. It's it's, it's like a bob on a fishing line. See, I know about fishing now. Um, Or maybe it's like the tip of my fishing pole taking a nosedive into the water and me saying, I think I caught something. And this time it's not just moss. It helps us to see that there's something going on here that needs fixing. That fish doesn't belong on the hook in the water. Any more than starving children, starving families belong in Norman. Any more than folks should have to sleep on the streets. Did I mention that the church food pantry is looking a little sparse these days? See, that's the best part about being a part of a church that's like this is that we see a need and we say, okay, well, time to roll our sleeves up, let's go. Finally, in verse 10, we have more characters with names. Before this, this was all a story. We were were just spectators along with everybody else. And and, and now we get to know who's there. We've got God with James and with John in addition to Simon Peter. So far, this has just been a two-person kind of dialogue. And they're there to overhear God's call to Peter just like we are They've become experts in catching what is soon to be dead, but now they're to catch that which is to come fully alive. Are you with me on this? See, this is the kind of business that gets me excited, okay? This is the kind of business of God where we say, this is something that is dead, but now we're moving towards life. Life always, life only. We aren't like fish tricked by a worm caught on a string just to make some first graders fish sticks. Stace, can we never feed our kid fish sticks? Is that okay? Nah, we're we're folks who have been reminded of a God who is with us right there with us. A God who is constantly calling us to step out of what we have going on at the moment into the divine present of what God is moving in our world. We as a church, we're working through these kinds of moments today, aren't we? We've been asking how it is that we as a church might be one church. How we as a church might get to know folks who we might never run into. How we might be able to listen to those who, who came before us and those who came behind us. And so what do we do with this? Here's the deal. I, I, I support fishing. It's, it's fun and it's even better with a buddy. I mean, I enjoyed it with Clint, but it was I mean, just that much more fun when I went, went with Robbie yesterday. I mean, the more people, the merrier. But that whole catch and release or you know, catch and eat thing, it's, it only impacts a small part of the world. And so at some point, we have to turn the entirety of our focus as, as individuals and as a church community towards fishing for people in a new kind of way. Have you read to the end of this passage yet? Verse 11. You know, I thought about asking us just as a, like an object lesson to all try to leave something here today. Then, then we'd be in the same position as, 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 as Peter and as the rest of the fishermen. They, they leave everything and they follow Jesus. So I thought about trying to like guilt us all into like taking our shoes off, you know, like mine are Italian and leather, you know what I mean? And, and, like, and like leaving our shoes here and somehow going home and having that remind us that we have to leave something behind sometimes. I mean, we, we could have donated them to the clothes closet, right? I mean, we have a problem. Hey, we have a solution. Let's go. Or maybe like, uh, you know, shoes are kind of necessary. So we could have left our, our, our jewelry, you know, but I, I have a you know fancy watch and my wife gave it to me, you know. It's not that it's not really that fancy, you know what I mean? It's but it's fancy, you know, I mean it's 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 fancy, you know. Or you know, maybe I thought, uh, uh what's something that we all have too many of? Socks, right? How many how many pairs of socks do you have? I mean too many, right? So I thought maybe we could all just like take our socks off and like leave them here and then like somehow like wash them and, you know, still give to the clothes closet. See, it's still for, you know, for a good thing. But then, you know, I wore my fancy socks. So I, I don't know that, you know, that's kind of something that I really want to do today. I, I'm just not quite re- willing to leave everything. Are, are you? If we would have actually done this today and had some actually good reason, not just some, you know, stupid rich reason, would we have been willing to do it? i think that if we would have we still would have been missing we, we still would have been missing the point we would have been giving up that which is dead but i want to ask that we give up something that's already keeping us from life maybe that nagging feeling that we don't quite trust god do you fully trust god there are a lot of times that i feel really good about my ability you know i mean fishing you know what i mean I did it for an hour, so let's, let's go. I'll, I'll tell you something. You know what I mean? What about feelings of inadequacy? That, that nagging feeling at the back of your mind that says, you know, uh, you're, you're good, but you're not good enough. Or about an or what about an overabundance of adequacy? Hey, have you met me? I am a good enough guy. Let me teach you something about fishing. so instead of giving up something that's dead i'm asking us to figure out a way to live more fully alive if you're having trouble edward schweitzer says that faith does not come as assent to statements previously preached but as trust in jesus called to try once more contrary to all dictates of reason Uh, John Wesley, one of the founders of the Methodist denomination, he was told to preach faith until he had it. Or there's a famous quote that's often attributed to C.S. Lewis. I've never found uh, where uh, exactly it is that he said this, but uh, the quote is that we should bend the knee and the heart will follow. I wonder if you're willing to do that. To give up that that which is dead, even if you're just kind of sort of going through the motions at the beginning and and expect God to to do something in that. Trust that God can and will work through that. I wonder if you're willing to give 10,000 hours to a God who is with us. Even if it requires you to leave everything. Let's pray.